Hey, welcome back to Tunes Tunes Podcast. I'm Harold. Uh, we got kind of a special episode tonight. Uh, Jim Lang is here uh, video conferencing with us and Mike Allen's hosting tonight. Hey. And then Jim. Hey, Jim. Hey, everybody. <laughs> uh, real quick, as usual, everyone, you can follow us on social media, Tunes Tunes Podcast. That's T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and as all, and you can listen to us on, uh, as always, on Spotify, uh, iTunes, and Google Play, wherever you listen to your finer podcasts. And so, uh, pretty stoked about this episode, and I had to bring my guy Mike in for uh, <laughs> for this one, especially because it's more of like a more like a jazz centric, I guess. You know, more of a, yeah. it's kind of your speed, right, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess that's true. I, uh, <laughs> Never really thought of myself as a jazz musician, but there you go, you know? Yeah. Uh, along uh, came Hey Arnold and then... Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah, and that's one of the one of the things I'm more excited to get into, but I definitely want to get some of your background and everything. And so one of the first things, um, you know, that I thought of whenever I was uh, reaching out to you and everything is that I, didn't, I wasn't aware that you had uh, worked on the movie Body Bags. And so I had, uh, you know, we kind of talked briefly about it before, but... Um, you know, that was just something that I'd seen like on uh, like just like regular daytime TV on like UPN <laughs> or something. I don't know if you ever saw them. I have never seen it, no. <laughs> but uh, I saw it when I was a kid and then, uh, you know, just uh, Mark Hamill's in it. And then to just hear like, you know, it's kind of serendipitous to hear that you had like worked on that. Like how did how did that uh, kind of come to be? And did you get to work with Mark Hamill much at all, like specifically like one on one at all? Or what was that? What was that like? Uh no, I uh, unfortunately, I uh, it, it's a kind of the nature of the beast when you're doing film scoring that you very seldom get to interact with the the talent that's in the movie. Uh, they've mostly uh, gone gone home and uh, gone on to other projects by the time uh, the composer gets involved with it. So, n- no, unfortunately, uh, none of the great people in that cast uh, did I get to meet, except for, of course, John Carpenter, who was my co-composer on it. And, uh, 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 John was, um, and still is married to, uh, uh, the woman who was the producer on that, uh, Sandy King, who was a friend, uh, uh, from the Midwest, a friend of friends of mine. And that's how the introduction originally got made. And, um, Body Bags was actually made for, (sighs) God, who was it? Show, I want to say Showtime, although I don't even think Showtime was around at that point. But it was um, it was a TV project. Uh, I, I don't know that it ever was released in any kind of long form uh, form, except for, of course, you know, as a um, as a DVD or as a as a video. Um, but it was a crazy film. It was a it, it was intended to be a series, uh, and. Uh, Sam Raimi, uh, Tobe Hooper, Wes Craven, all those guys were um, kind of slated to be involved with it. And then when it got down to the short strokes, um, those guys were all, a lot of those guys, in, including Wes, who was, I think, supposed to direct one of the three parts of it, was on another project. So John ended up uh, directing, I think, all of them or maybe two of the three uh, pieces. Uh, but anyway, it was... a. Uh, it was a, a really uh, quirky, uh, f- fun project. I, I did two things with John, and, and that was a, um, really, uh, really fun to work with him. A, a really great cat and a, a really good filmmaker. Yeah, that's cool. That's definitely a cool opportunity. So, I think, uh, the, I think the thing 
his version of the thing is probably uh, very high on my uh, top ten list of, <laughs> oh, of yeah. really <laughs> really scary ass films. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's oof, it was super creepy. That's, yeah. that's just creeping me out just thinking about it. Definitely, right now. man. I have to have a I have to have a sip of my uh, Bloody Mary here. <laughs> <laughs> that was back in the day of uh, like practical effects, you know, in films. I think that that's helps right with the scariness because it's like a real object there, you know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Did you ever see? Uh, this is like super off topic, but um, <laughs> well, we welcome uh, uh, Death Proof. The uh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah Tarantino, yeah. Kurt right? Russell, yeah, 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 the, yeah, the, the Tarantino film uh, that was all uh, talking about you know practical uh, stunts and shit. All, all of those stunts were performed by real humans. <laughs> there were no there were no ones and zeros involved. Actually. Yeah, it's. It's crazy, and it's worth going back to look at that movie again for two things. One is the fact that all the stunts were done by r- real stunt drivers, which is crazy, and <laughs> act, act, the actress, actresses. And uh, it's a great sound mix. Uh, it's a, just a phenomenal sound mix. So if it's something you can listen to, like in surround, or listen oh, to yeah. with a headset on, you'll be blown away by the the car sounds in that are just like wet dream car sounds for anybody <laughs> that's a car a, a car junkie. So. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to it now. Yeah, I don't think I paid yeah, it was it was really super good. Sorry, sorry. I mean that's not okay. Been, no, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Any input, you know, any input is welcome. <laughs> uh, so. What were some of your early influences, like bands or musicians or anything like that? Um, and do you, how did those help you uh, shape your personal sound as a composer? Uh, the, the very first influence that I can think of that was um, when I was kind of a you know, old enough for it to sink in, in in any way that was larger than just, you know, a pretty melody. Like I remember Brahms Lullaby. I remember loving Brahms Lullaby oh, yeah. when I was a kid, was a, a little kid. But uh, I think when I was in maybe fourth grade, third grade, fourth grade, that our music teacher played Rhapsody in Blue for us okay. in music class. And I was just completely floored. I mean, I'd never heard anything like that. It was... Um, it doesn't happen often when you're an adult, but when you're a kid and you don't have a lot of context for music, you hear a piece of music that really blows your mind. It really blows your mind in a profound way. Mm-hmm. And and that was one of those moments for me. And uh, I remember going home and, and telling my dad uh, that I had heard this, this piece of music called Rhapsody in Blue. And he said, oh, yeah, it's George Gershwin. Um, we have that record. And so he pulled out. <laughs> He pulled out the you know the classic George Gershwin oh, yeah. record with Rhapsody in Blue on one side, American in Paris on the other, and I remember taking that room up to my take, taking that room taking that record up to my room and putting it on my like Hopalong Cassidy mono record player, and just wearing it out for like <laughs> weeks weeks. I mean, I would listen to it two or three times a night all the way through. Uh, so that was. That's kind of what, in, a, in an interesting way, that's sort of what turned the lights on for me. And then um, my dad had uh, not a huge record collection, but he had some really cool, um, really cool jazz recordings. Uh, uh, a lot of Oscar Peterson, um, yep. Stan Kenton, um, 
uh, Howard Roberts, the guitar player. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. him, Mike, but he was a he was a really good kind of uh, a, a jazz guitar player, but kind of on the blues tip. You know, he, yeah, he was yeah, famous yeah. for for playing hot. You know, mm-hmm. uh, okay, as they would say back yeah. in the day. Um, so those were the things that you know. Those were things I listened to at home, and then you know we also had because. At, at that point, this was in the 60s, late 50s, early 60s, when I was still uh, a grade schooler. Um, hey, you guys just hey. uh, flipped the aspect ratio <laughs> there. Hey. All right. I don't know what we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the control room uh, got into it. Uh, yeah. Uh, we also had a lot of uh, Broadway musicals. So uh, oh, The yeah. King and I, you know, The King and I uh, and... Uh, Particularly, uh, My Fair Lady was a, a, a musical that I just absolutely huh. loved. Um, so, so I had that I had that stuff in my head too. And for a long time, I wanted to be an actor. I thought I was going to be a, oh, that's uh, being study. I went to went to Northwestern to to study theater, and you know, kind of pursued it pretty seriously in parallel with music uh, in the early days. And and then I got a gig being a music director for a theater company, and that was kind of the end of the acting thing because. <laughs> you know, I was get, I was making a living making music, and yeah, who definitely. knew how to do that, right? So, yeah. Well, one of the things, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to bring Mike onto this is because, you know, whenever I was talking to you kind of about your, you know, your background, it made me think of Mike especially because Mike, is a you know, comes from more like a classically trained background as far mm-hmm. as music. Yeah, uh, I was in. Well, it's just like school orchestra, yeah. but uh, I was in it for many years. And uh, what do you what do you play? What's your instrument? Uh, well, I play bass mostly, and that was what I started on. And then I learned uh, cello and violin while I was in orchestra, and uh, and a little bit of piano. But uh, but now that I'm just in bands, I'm out of any uh, symphonic kind of uh, arena. But uh, yeah, I'm just in bands now, and I just play bass and guitar and things like that. So cool, you know, basic stuff. <laughs> Nowadays, <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Right. <laughs> yeah, my son's a bass player too. Oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's the uh, the foundation, as they say. So, yeah. uh, with the you said you were in theater, a music director for a theater. Is that how you got your start, and how you wanted to sort of pursue life as a composer? No, the really the composing thing really kind of came along later. I I wouldn't. You know, for the longest time, uh, I, I wouldn't even refer to myself as a composer, never a composer, and hardly even a writer. <laughs> you know, even uh, um, in the uh, early 70s in Chicago, I was the theater company I was the music director for was called the Free Street Theater uh, in Chicago. And it was a, it was a Goodman, Goodman Theater and the Illinois Arts Council. It was a, like a joint project. And actually, it's still, uh, uh, still in existence uh, to this day. It was a really... Really great theater company, kind of guerrilla theater. We would go around and do shows in the neighborhoods in Chicago. We had this big thing called a showmobile that would open up, you know, and oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah, we would uh, we would set up uh, a lot of times in Chicago. It was you know it was rough and tumble even then. And on one occasion, one of our uh, cast members got shot. Jesus, uh, cause, wow! Because we were Freaking on the Chirac, we were man. on the we were on the borderline between uh, two gangs, which. We didn't know the people that booked the show didn't have any idea, but as it turned out, you know, 
Um, we had guys from from one crew come up and play. We would have local musicians, if we could, you know, come up and play mm-hmm. on stage before the show. And these guys came up and played. We didn't realize it, but they were from a couple blocks away, and they were the other oh, crew. And dang, so that's crazy. That didn't go down well. Unfortunately, the woman that, out here over some music, man, that's crazy. <laughs> the woman that got shot was f- turned. Fortunately, uh, the doctor said. It was kind of miraculous, but this bullet went into her and just kind of bounced around off her vital organs, but didn't go into oh anything. So Jesus she was back Christ. in the show like a week after that. It was crazy. <laughs> what? Life in Chicago. <laughs> I know, man. Life in Chicago. So Even then, yeah, sure. tough. Wow. It's really, uh, it was really crazy. But it was, a, it was a tremendous experience, and the music making was great the band was great always we had you know i was fortunate to get really good guys to come and play and um that kind of cemented it for me i did some more theater after that but um opportunities were there to make music i got a manager on the east coast at one point and he said hey why don't you come out here and i'll you know bring your band out here like like i had a band at that point which i didn't (laughs) and um so my a good friend of mine and I, uh, this guy Bill Gable, who's a great singer songwriter, we went back east and we started a band back there, and uh, that was kind of the end of the acting thing. I just didn't, you yeah. know never went back to it after uh. that. And then composing kind of happened later. Uh, I toured for a few years with uh, different different bands. I was on the road with uh, Todd Rundgren. I did his first national tour. Uh, played with Joe Cocker for a year. Played with the Pointer Sisters for a little while. Oh wow! Awesome. Played wow. Played with uh, Juice Newton, <laughs> which is <laughs> a different kind of credit, you know. But uh, <laughs> uh, but I uh, when I when I got married, uh, my wife uh, at the time said, uh, "So, you know, what are you going to do for a living now?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't be boy. You can't, can't be going around all over the country anymore. <laughs> yeah, ooh. so. So at that point, I started looking around for uh, uh, for other things that I could do to stay in town. And and uh, one of my friends was making um, what they call visitor videos. So it's like if you go to Aspen and you oh, yeah, check yeah, in your yeah, hotel yeah. room, the TV will be on. Like says, tourism Beautiful, stuff. beautiful Aspen. Here's things you can do in Aspen. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I said, so, Merce, what do you do for music on your visitor videos? And he says, well, we do these needle drops, you know, off the library music records back then it was still lps you know and i said well how much do you you know how much do you pay for for one of those and he says uh i think it's probably around 200 bucks a a video and i said i'll do it for 175 oh nice (laughs) undercutting (laughs) them (laughs) that's right that's right and so that was the you know that was the beginning i did music for a couple of his things and um uh you know, uh, uh, like everything in the in the entertainment business, in the music business, it, a lot of what the doors that open up, the opportunities that happen, happen through your friends. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that you work with, the people that you like, the people that like you, that know what you can do. And um, so I was really fortunate to have uh, friends, you know, turn me on to opportunities. Um, and uh, that's where a lot of the kind of training wheels gigs came from you know in the early days wow yeah that's man that's crazy that's cool that's though. like that's all a over, neat little uh, kind of all over huh yeah it's a <laughs> yeah. neat beginning actually it's kind of that is cool well i was yeah so kind of building off of that jim i was just kind of wondering like as far as like what was the transition to nickelodeon like where does that kind of play in um and just if you could just kind of talk about what it's like working there with like you know 
I'm sure there's like a whole list of like characters that work there and like you have stories and everything, but just kind of talk about uh, that, will you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, the, the transition to Nickelodeon came uh, via uh, my longtime pal and collaborator, Craig Bartlett, who was the creator of Hey Arnold. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Craig and I had met uh, a few years previously uh, working for uh, a guy named Bob Rogers, who has a company in um, Burbank. And they do uh, theme park rides. They do visitor centers for like the Kennedy Space Center, okay. uh, the Lincoln Library in Illinois, you know, places like that. And it's in, the in, in their industry, that's called themed entertainment. So huh. Craig was working on a thing. He had met this guy, uh, Bob I can't even, I don't remember how they met, but he was working on a thing with Bob where uh, it was a, a, a thing for Toshiba that was going to be at a uh, World's Fair, and it was all industrial robots. Wow. Uh, you know, it was a stage full of industrial robots, and they had a, written a story where there was a teacher robot, and then there were three student robots, and the three student robots were all kind of wisecracking and, you know... <laughs> grab ass and acting up and the teacher was trying to get them all to do the same thing at the same time you know and in the context of the story they were trying to get them to dance so if you know anything about industrial robots which i certainly didn't at the time they're really good at, at repetitive motions mm -hmm. you know you've to you've to program them to pick up a circuit board flip it over slide it into a machine while it gets soldered and then pull it out and slide it onto the next machine. That kind of shit is what they're really good at. What they're not good at is acting like human beings or being spontaneous <laughs> or doing things that aren't motions that aren't repetitive. I mean, the programming is just crazy to get them to do stuff like that. So here's Craig. He's locked in a, locked in a freezing cold warehouse, I think in Osaka, with a bunch of Japanese engineers oh, who are all brilliant, but none of whom speak English. You know, <laughs> trying to trying to program these robots to do the funky chicken, and the guy that they had originally hired, the, the guy that they originally hired to do the music, was uh, a high school buddy of of Bob Rogers, and not not Mr. Funk. You know, uh, kind of wasn't getting the, like the a, music the way they like wanted mean, it to be. Meat and potatoes kind of guy, probably. Yeah, yeah. So. So that's when I got the call. They said, hey, would you... I had done another project for Bob Rogers before, and they said, hey, would you be interested in doing this thing with this guy, Craig Bartlett, who's locked in a, <laughs> locked in a warehouse in Osaka? <laughs> and I said, sure. And so that was how Craig and I met. And, and then we had done... Uh, previous to Hey Arnold, we had done a couple of projects for uh, this Bob Rogers guy, various different things. And then the opportunity came along. Craig said, hey, I'm going to pitch this animated thing to Nickelodeon. Would you be interested in, in doing the music for the, for the, um, the uh, not for, for the pilot, pilot you know, yeah. for, the, for our kind of yeah. test, our test version of it? And I said, yeah, hell yes, of course I would. So that's where that, that's how that all began. And that was my introduction to Nickelodeon when we got picked up, which was, certainly a red letter day in, in my life, uh, to get, to get that gig. Yeah. And then, uh, once we, once we got the gig, interestingly enough, uh, I didn't, I mean, I met executives at Nickelodeon, like Mary Harrington, who was our producer. Uh, Mary's still at Nickelodeon. She's an amazing producer. Ooh. She did in Invader Zim. She brought Invader Zim in there. Oh, and, wow. Uh, okay, cool. She's done, she's done other stuff, but she's, 
she is like the old school, like Nickelodeon, when we started at Nickelodeon was the early days when there were still a bunch of, and this is not the, you know, I'm not <laughs> slamming Nickelodeon as it exists now, but, <laughs> but Nickelodeon came from this, you know, girls together outrageously group of really brilliant women who wanted to make this network for kids. And that whole gonzo thing that was Nickelodeon back in the day was getting slammed with, you know, goo and let's get messy oh, yeah. and all oh, the yeah, splat, yeah, yeah. the whole, the whole kind of splat yeah, aesthetic came from, you can't, yeah, exactly. Can't that, that all came from, I think it, from the earliest, yeah. yeah, from the earliest days. And, and that kind of informed the stuff that they were making. So Mary was one of that crew and she's, you know, she's great. She's one of a kind. And then, um, you know, Catherine Seitz was our other, one of our other producers in the first season. And she was more, uh, she was kind of more from the corporate side, you know, so she was more, a little more buttoned down than, than, mm -hmm. than Mary was. Um, but I remember sitting in a meeting when we were doing the theme song, this was early days and, and, uh, Craig always, uh, always, uh, kind of heard the, uh, the musical landscape that Arnold lived in as encompassing also, you know, kind of Rat Pack, uh, okay. swing era, you know, like Dino Spumoni in this, yeah. in the show, you know. Yeah, yeah. Guys that were kind of you know Sinatra esque um, <laughs> crooners, and he thing. he would always sing this thing like Arnold, you crazy nut, you know, and that was his uh, <laughs> that was his version of the Arnold theme song. So when we started writing a theme song, I thought, okay, we're gonna do this, uh, you know. Uh, see, I gotta turn. The mic. Turn the mic. Watch on. the Bloody Mary. I was Don't spill the Bloody Mary. <laughs> You know, oh, so that it was like that vocal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Really kind of, really kind of swing, sort of B flat, you know, Broadway swing. <laughs> so, so we got in this meeting with the executives, and we're we're sitting there, we're singing them, you know, Arnold, <laughs> you crazy cat, and we're like just that far into it, and they're already groaning, going. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that version of the theme song never made it to the show. It, it actually actually did show up later as a promo for the Nickelodeon, which was I think in year four of the show or something Ooh, like yeah, that. Yeah, might have been. Yeah, uh, we did a we did a really yeah. badass uh, a total big band arrangement. We recorded it in Studio B at Capitol Records. Um, Mervyn Warren, who was one of the guys in that uh, acapella band Take Six, did this vocal arrangement. <laughs> It's it's crazy good. In fact, I'll post it up on my SoundCloud. I still have cool. it. I'll, I'll post it up on my SoundCloud so you guys can check that's it out. Awesome. Yeah, check yeah, it that's out. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that was the uh, that was that was the early days at Nickelodeon. And and then the, the other thing I was going to say is, you know, amazingly, I had very 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 few notes direct from the network. Um, much fewer than almost any other relationship I've ever had with a TV network. Wow. Um, and m much fewer than I had with Nickelodeon when we just made the Jungle movie. You know, the, oh, yeah, the, the most executives were, last year. were, yeah, executives were really involved in that. You know, we had huh. a lot of back and forth about that. But in the early days, I think this is not to say that Craig and Steve Vixton and Joanne Salabahir and the other writers on the show didn't have a lot of notes from the network because they certainly did but that stuff really never got to me and i think you know when we think about when i think about making the music for that show it's something that i tend to forget is that um 
I didn't have anybody telling me what to do. Wow. You know, that's, that's crazy. I tried that and tried and tried freedom, to, man. I tried and tried to, to do something that, you know, in the kind of jazzier moments of the show is, is moments that I thought of as kind of like faux jazz where I was, I was trying to be like, okay, so what would the art ensemble of Chicago do in this, in this yeah. instance? Or, you know, <laughs> what's something, let's go totally atonal here. Let's do something that's like screaming fast, like bebop fast uh-huh. and just kind of makes no sense to anybody that's listening to it, you know? <laughs> And I would do that stuff, and I would just wait for the phone to ring and say, you know, ah, this time you've gone too far. <laughs> you know, and, it, and it never happened. It, it Man, never, ever happened. So. That's a, that's no bebop, only hard bop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> only modal jazz. Yeah. That's <laughs> no. crazy. I, I don't we know. We did get modal. We did get modal from time to time, oh, but yeah. only in the... Only in the sweet, only in the sweet modes. <laughs> well, that's just cool to hear about, like that level of like creative freedom. Like, you know, you always hear like the superimposing executives coming in and you know telling you what you need to cut out and you know throw more of this in here, like do this there. And so that it's crazy to hear like at that level, you know, like on a network show that you know to have yeah. that level of freedom. That's pretty intense. There's, you know, it's that's a, always an interesting conversation because I, I think the, you can look at it from both sides. Uh, one side is uh, most of the stuff that we really love, uh, you know, especially in animation, which is wildly creative. Uh, most of the stuff that we love did not come from the inspiration. It didn't come from a committee meeting at the network about what the next show was going to be. It came from some crazy guy who put pencil to paper, you know, some Matt Groening guy who uh-huh. has this concept <laughs> and Craig Bartlett, you know, who has this concept for this character and imagines this world in his head and that's where it comes from. It's that like that individual inspiration that's not based on anybody else's input. On the other hand, when you when you play stuff for people, you know, it's this, the making entertainment like this is a collaborative process. So, you know, right from Jump Street that you're going to have other people talking to you about the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of cases, uh, probably better than half the time, the people at the networks actually are on about something and it's a valid viewpoint. So your job as a creator is to shut the fuck up and try and <laughs> figure out what you know what are they talking about what is it that they see that you're that you're missing right and see if you can change you know and then and then see if you can find a way to to steer what you're doing towards them and in my experience a lot of times it's just it's editing it's <clears throat> excuse me it's editing it's like things that i think are really simple other people think are really complex. Mm-hmm. And I think they're simple because they're my ideas. And so I know how I got there and yeah, blah, blah, blah. The way you reason how the sausage is made. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But there's but there's a lot of ingredients in the sausage. And sometimes it's like too much, too many tastes for them. So yeah. you gotta take a few things out of the sausage and kind of clarify, you know. And really that's I mean, as as I get to be more and more of a geezer, that's really <laughs> the challenge is how you know how simply can i write this how simple can i make the idea uh, mm-hmm. and still have it have still have it have merit right because mm-hmm. you make stuff that's so simple that it's just stupid but yeah. then there's guys like uh carter burwell and alexandra desplat you know that write really simple melodic ideas that really are wonderful and really beautiful and re- eric satie you know stuff that's really incredibly well constructed 
really deep, but not complex. <laughs> That's yeah. tricky. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> well, yeah, like kind of pursuing that, you know, you're, you're kind of dancing all around what I was wanting to ask next is, you know, just the music is the thing that's most iconic, I think, in the show, you know, like definitely the characters and storylines and things like that. But more so than anything in my experience that I've talked to with people and with the, about the show is that the music really stuck out to them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just uh, I, how do you kind of approach scoring that? Is it, you know, do you just talk to Bartlett and go through like the storyline and storyboards and get your inspiration from that? Um, I, I would just really like to hear like the inspiration behind like the vibe, like a, a lot of things, especially like, uh, you know, the opening theme you mentioned earlier, group, like stuff like Groove Remote and then like thinking it over. Like those are those are songs that people really like latch on to, like and they'll hear it and be like, hey, Arnold, like it's like an iconic sound. It goes so well with the night scenes on the, in the show. It does. There's a lot man. of sunset night scenes, you know, vibes, yeah. <laughs> vibes, AF. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, there's a there's one thing that's at work there, uh, which is really, uh, really an important idea is that um, it's really hard to write uh, really good music for a really crappy show. <laughs> um, and uh, Hey Arnold was a really good show in, mm-hmm. in many, many ways. It was beautiful visually. I mean, the people that did the backgrounds for that show, oh, those yeah. night scenes that you're talking about. Those people are fine artists with no, yeah. no freaking doubt. It's yeah, all hand colored, right? It's, back then, it was all, yeah. it was yeah. all hand drawn. Yeah. I have, I'm fortunate enough to have a couple of cells. Ooh, I have yeah. a few cells from the show that, that Craig gave me over the years. Wow. And you know, you look at those things and you go, damn, that's why. I heard they did it that's all why that, um, in color pencil. Did they really? It was yeah, it was traditional. Yeah, it was traditional two D animation. I'm not sure everything was colored pencil, but a lot of it was. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure some of it was so. Uh, but yeah, I was gonna say yeah. a lot of the backgrounds. I I, I think I read, saw on the wiki or something. Someone or maybe heard someone talk about it, but it was a lot of it was actually hand cool. colored and drawn. Yeah, like that's really colored yeah pencil. it was very very old school animation. So I mean, that's a that's a huge thing. It's like you know, you say, well, how did you get the the vibe for the show? Well, that's what a, f- a film composer does, you know, is you want to immerse yourself. You're just like a tea bag, you know, you dip yourself in the, in <laughs> steep dip yourself. yourself in the show, steep it for as long as it takes until you come out with something that feels like the show. Unfortunately, there was a lot of stuff th- that what Craig and, and Joe and, and Steve and the, uh, all the other great writers on that show were doing the show they were trying to make. I, I had a lot of touch points with that. So, um, the, the pieces of music that people really respond to uh, pretty much came from those kind of magical moments that the writers did in the show. Another thing that happened in that show too, and is something that I try and do as much as I can get away with, is we used long form cues. We, We used cues that were more like, I mean, there's nothing long form, there's nothing, you know, four minutes long in that show, but uh, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't unusual for us to make a piece of music last for 20 seconds or 30 seconds or f- sometimes even 40 seconds. You know, Groove Remote, Thinking It Over, or songs that, those are things that played, you know, for a while in yeah. the show. So you you actually have the chance to let a piece of music develop organically as opposed to, you know, the kind of... And we did a lot of this other kind of cartoons, cartoon scoring in the show as well, you know, where you're... 
you're reacting, you know, second by second to what's going on on the screen and trying to hit everything that happens. But we did indulge ourselves, or I indulged myself in in writing some of these longer pieces of music that get to play. Sometimes we called them walk and talks, like when Arnold and Gerald are walking down uh, the street yeah. and talking oh, to each other. Yeah, you know, yeah. we'd like start a groove, and then the groove is just kind of play yeah. under them talking. And <laughs> and that's one of the reasons that 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 that. I think that people respond to the, you know, musicians also respond to the music in the show is because they actually got to hear some people play a little mm -hmm. bit, you know, while, while it was going on. That's great. Um, speaking of musicians, uh, have, so have you heard of Flamingosis? And because I just recently saw this on YouTube and it was a remix of Groove Remote, uh, the Abner vignette, I guess. Um, and they just put like a, beat on it and uh just looped it sort of a i don't know it's just a little video on youtube and uh so i looked into all kinds of of your music after that so i was just curious if you've heard of it and if if you've gotten a response from it like you know i i i haven't heard people have not written to me specifically about that thing but um there have been a couple of I mean, there's a bunch of you know People that have played Hey Arnold music, you know, they post up videos on YouTube. There's a totally badass, I meant to write their names down and I have, I failed to do it. And this is really, <laughs> this is really bad. I, I don't remember their names, but two women, looks like they're from the East Coast because they're playing on somebody's back porch and there's snow in the background. Uh, but there's a, a sax player and a keyboard player playing oh. a little fatty. And they did a badass version of the theme song. <laughs> That's awesome. That is, it's so far my total favorite cover, and uh, I don't know where, you know, um, maybe people have to watch my Twitter feed or something yeah. like that. I'll definitely, well, we'll in fact, yeah, I did we'll, tweet we'll out, it. I did tweet out a while back, you know, their names and say, this is the, the best Hey Arnold cover yet. Dang, anyway, that's, awesome. that's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they, they totally killed it. Uh, and and the interesting about the Flaming Osis thing, you know, I mean, I looked at that today because I knew we were going to talk about it tonight. That thing has over 6 million hits. Yeah. Shit. yeah, yeah. I didn't are realize you, it was that Are you much. ready for that shit? Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> and in the comments. That's crazy. In the comments, they talk about you, you know, how great you are. So, I mean, I, I well, can see. Well, that's nice. I'm glad I got yeah. some cred from somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> talk about biting it, man. He didn't just take a little bit of it. He took the whole freaking track. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, dude, did you add anything to this? You know, aside from slowing it down a little bit and putting a kick drum under it? Uh-huh. Yeah. You know? yeah. Made it I a mean, trap beat. No. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm always appreciative when, when people like the music. And I love the fact that uh, that he that he did that, and then it's gotten out to a huge audience. I'm it's just really delightful. Mm -hmm. um, my preference is always, you know, uh, write it, don't bite it. Right. If you can, uh. if you can make an original piece of music and then cut your own shit up and that, make a and make a track to it. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a deeper act of creativity. And there's nothing against DJs because I got a lot of DJ friends who are totally killing at what they do, but. You know, don't bite something that's like a minute long. <laughs> Sorry, I you know I probably shouldn't shouldn't be saying this stuff. I should just be uh, feeling blessed by having that music. <laughs> oh out no, there. But, yeah. I, but but I mean that that comes up for me. You know, it's like sure. Um, and, and I have to say too, when we when we started doing the show, one of the things that inspired us was acid jazz, which was early days mm -hmm. uh, when people were biting the kind of classic jazz, you know, and soul jazz tracks. 
yeah. and, uh, and using that stuff and, you know, building beats around it. That's one of the things that Craig and I talked about. We were both listening to Jason Bentley's show on KCRW in LA, mm -hmm. and he was playing a lot of acid jazz back in the day. And we said, hey, that's a really great, that's a really great feel. We should try and incorporate that in the score for Hey Arnold. So that's one of the that. And then on the other hand, Vince Guaraldi, you know, how melodic, <laughs> how beautiful his <laughs> melodic stuff is. I, I mentioned that to him just before we started that's recording. Insane. I was like, you know, another show that had jazz, like in a cartoon was Vince Guaraldi and uh, Charlie Brown, you know. And Pete. In peanuts, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he started out, you that's know, scoring crazy. for films and uh yeah. they just heard it and just were like, That's the music for the show. Yeah. You know? yeah. We we wrote a note to ask you about that. Yeah, just if you had ever had any influence and from Vince. Here he is bringing it up to yeah. us. Like, dang, that's <laughs> I, insane. I, I never I never got to meet him, but I uh I totally uh loved the music he did for uh for the Charlie Brown stuff. And uh Cast Your Fate to the Wind is yeah. one of the first one of the first songs that I learned how to play on the piano it was really hard because it's uh, you're playing that ostinato in the oh, left yeah. hand and then the right hand is very kind of rubato over it so it was challenging it was bum, fun bum, to learn bum, 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 bum. yeah it's yeah. it's different yeah but i love his uh, uh i i love his music and, and so did craig and so it's uh that was our our melodic inspiration for the show very cool and melody is melody is, is a awesome. big deal you know melody really gets to people in a way that that you know a two chord jam which is like a lot of what's going on Everywhere now, oh, yeah. uh, you know. I mean, a two chord jam is nice in certain ways, but you know, mo melody is the thing that sticks with you exactly, and that kind of makes your short hair stand up. At the <laughs> <right time>. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's like the kind of the reason that I, I really, just me personally, latch on to groove remote mm -hmm. because that's just so melodic to me, and that like I, I can hear like. I could probably hear just like one like sample like like little part of that at the very end, and be like, "Oh, that's what that is." Like, yeah, like the saxophone on the lockjaw. Lock yeah, that, yeah, that's really yeah, stands that's out. Really that's a uh, uh, that's Bill Liston who played that. Oh, that's so cool. Um, yeah, Bill did Bill did all the woodwinds on the show. He's a crazy good woodwind player. It doubles on every instrument known to God and man. Wow. Um, and I lived at the time we were doing the show. I lived on this street called Baxter Street, which is the third steepest hill in LA. <laughs> and Liston used to walk up the hill like carrying like five or six huge instrument cases, you know, Oof. bass clarinet, baritone sax, tenor, alto, piccolo, you know, just oh, yeah. <laughs> poor guy. I punished him. I punished him so seriously on that show. <laughs> And he never he never hated on me for it, or only a couple of times, I guess. Yeah. But let, check this out. I want to play for people. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna blow it because I haven't been I haven't been playing this tune. But I wanted to play the the original head, which is called Confessin', that oh, cool. Groove Remote came from. Oh. Because it's uh, okay. Groove Remote has a it has a groove to it, and it's just I kind of bit that little bit of it and, and put that in the cartoon show. But the the whole tune goes like this.
I'm, I'm messing it up pretty bad, oh, but no, that's awesome. That sounded great. That sounded <laughs> it's, awesome. It's a more it's a more traditional it's a more traditional head, and and that's something that I've been wanting to um, make a new version of and uh, and post that up on my SoundCloud. Too. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, 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 that'd be yeah. great. There's a there's a bunch of stuff I've been I worked a, a couple of months ago on on a bunch of things that uh, haven't dropped yet, but um, some some new music that I'm going to post up pretty quick here. That's uh, sort of so, sort of fun, a little chance for me to play in the sandbox after I decompressed from doing the jungle movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I understand that. I had, a, I had a minute there where I wrote a few things, so that's, <laughs> that's coming. It's all coming. <laughs> so, yeah, just kind of, you know, speaking of, like, some of your work that you've done, um, I was just wondering, like, if you had one, um, what would be, like, a project, like, like, what would be one of your favorite projects you've gotten to work on? Like if you, I know it's kind of hard to pick like your favorite, it's like picking yeah. your favorite kid or something, but is there one that sticks out to you as like, man, like I really nailed that shit? Well, I mean, obviously, Hey Arnold, it's not, it's not everybody that gets an opportunity to do a show that you get to make a hundred episodes of. Uh, it's not everybody that gets an opportunity to make a show with the great crew and cast that that show had, great writers, um, so I'm deeply, deeply blessed by that. And then, as it turns out, I'm deeply blessed by the fact that it, a lot of people relate to that music and still relate to it, you know. Yeah. Um, people that came up with the show when they were kids. Um, uh, I get a, a lot of email from people who are touched by the music, and that, you know, touches me deeply. That's uh, awesome. So that's definitely at the top of my list I did a project a couple of years ago with a friend of mine, a guy named Patrick Gleason, who is a um, also a, a composer. He does just about everything, but he's a, a composer. He did all the synthesizer work in uh, Apocalypse Now. Oh, he was man. the synth. He was a synth player with Herbie Hancock in the M1DG band. Very cool. First, That's awesome. uh, first. First, first white guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's a light. He's a light <laughs> skin brother. To be at, <laughs> he's a light skin brother. He he uh, uh, toured toured with Herbie uh, playing an ARP twenty six hundred. You know, back in the day before anything was programmable. Yeah, you know, pulling f- flipping patch chords around on the fly. <laughs> anyway, he, he's a great guy, uh, uh, a, a real character, and. Um, he and I made a record a couple of years ago uh, called Jazz Criminal, uh, which is uh, um, was kind of an epistolary record. We we would I would start something, I would send it off to him, and he would cut out all but a little tiny hunk of what I send him, and then he would develop that, and he'd send that back to me, and I'd fuck around with that and send it back to him, and then uh, uh, Benny Maupin and Wallace Roney played on it after uh, we had it pretty far down the road, and then I mixed it. Um, and it's really, it was us trying to do electronica, but with, um, with a, a little less groove, a little more improvisation, a little more melody, but mm-hmm. I think we got way, <laughs> we got way off the track that we started on <laughs> and, and, the, and then the project just kind of became what it became. It's super dense. Um, and, uh, you have to be pretty high to listen to it, I think, <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of my favorite things that I've ever done. I, uh, I felt like it was a project and it, it took us a long time to get it finished. But, uh, when I sit back and listen to that now, I, I think, 
I really like that. And it's not a lot of things that you go back to, you know, later on and you think, well, we definitely got that right. And so that's yeah. a jazz criminal. That's one. It's, it's not, I think it's, it's definitely available through CD baby. I'm not sure that it's actually anywhere else at this point. Okay. But, um, but you can get it on CD baby. And, and maybe if I ever get off my duff, I'll get it on, uh, iTunes or something like yeah, that. So that'd be cool. But more available. I'm going to check that out. Um, do you have like a dream project you'd like to work on? Um, like, a you know, with a director or an actor or any kind of like, uh, intellectual property that you'd like to work with? You know, uh, it's funny. Uh, when we were talking yesterday, uh, I saw there's a iron giant poster on the wall. Oh yeah. In uh, my, yeah. In my, at my house. Oh, your house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm I'm uh, had the opportunity to meet Brad Bird. Uh, he's a we have mutual friend, and uh, uh, I I think that guy's just a total genius um, uh, on yeah. on so many different levels. You know, I I think he really gets it. So yes, I would crawl over broken glass to do a project with, <laughs> <laughs> with Brad Bird. I think he's uh, I think he's totally the shit. You know, That's so awesome. if he ever decides to do something a little bit on the jazzy tip, uh, I'm his guy. Yeah, we can get the Iron Giant, you know, uh, on the drums. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. Mix. Yeah, that was a cool thing we got to do. Jim was uh, we did a, a a series leading up to the release of uh, Ready Player One, and so right here where we're recording the the episodes, the Tower Theater here in Oklahoma City, and um, you know we we show movies and like have. Uh, concerts and everything like that. So it was actually our bir- our first big series that we did. We showed uh, the Iron Giant, Big Trouble in Little China, uh, Blade Runner, and uh, one more that I'm forgetting. Uh, what was the other one? <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, I can't remember either. But it God, was that, a- that sounds great. Oh, <laughs> sign me up for that shit. All, all those sound yeah, yeah, terrific. We, we uh, I, and I actually I've I've read the book, but I haven't seen the movie yet. Oh. I've um, I, I haven't gotten around to seeing it, so. Oh, the last one was Monty Sorry. Python. That's what it was. Was it? Oh, it was yeah. Monty I didn't go that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, it was a it was a really cool thing, and so I'm glad you're feeling the poster. That's so crazy that you even noticed that. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, like I say, I'm a big I'm a big fan, so uh, doesn't th- those don't get by me. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, if someone's wanting to kind of find some of your current work like what's some of your current projects that people uh you know or some of your new work that's coming up what's what's something people could be looking for yeah uh for the last couple of years i've been working on a pbs show uh also with craig bartlett um uh a show called uh ready jet go which is a planetary science show for little kids cool that's dope young kids and um it's a really it's a great looking show uh among other things it's uh it's 3D, you know, it's very digital looking, but um, really cool, uh, really cool looking show. And uh, we've made two seasons of that. I think we're going to make a third, ho- we're hoping to make a third season. And uh, given that it's um, it's a, a show about space science, we're actually, uh, I just got an email last week or a couple of weeks ago, uh, we're going to go to the National Air and Space Museum next summer and play the uh, tunes from the show uh, with the Ready Jet Go band. Oh, very cool! Which is which is actually a thing, you know. <laughs> we played a couple of times before, but we're going to go play on the National Mall uh, in honor of the uh, 50th anniversary of the moon landing. That's wow. awesome! That's freaking yeah. cool, so, man. 
and and we're making a we're making a special uh, for uh, with the Ready Jet Go characters and everything uh, uh, about the moon landing, and that's it's in the works now. I haven't uh, I don't they haven't told me when I when I have to start. This uh, production company is a little vest pocket production company, so things tend to show up on your doorstep and go, you know, here it is. By the way, can you have this done tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. no joke. That, that kind of oh, that happens to you too. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I think it happens. I think it happens to all of it. Man. So that's a uh, so that's definitely going on. Um, uh, I'm up for a couple other things. Craig has a couple of great pitches. Craig has a pitch uh, that they've that they've gone out with, which is a show. Uh, called Mixberry Jam, which is about uh, um, a, a, a busload of young kids that travel all around the United States uh, learning about different kinds of music. Oh, cool! Um, wow, that which is cool. Uh, has a lot of has a lot of great possibilities. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a great pitch. Uh, so far, nobody's bitten, but uh, we're hoping that um, maybe Apple would go for it, or somebody that maybe Amazon, somebody that's making a lot of animation right yeah. now. Oh so. yeah. Amazon, yeah, yeah, Amazon, Amazon Prime. Is, yeah. That would be a cool Amazon mm-hmm. Prime original yeah. or Netflix. Yeah. Or Netflix, Netflix original, yeah. yeah. Netflix would was a, at at a certain point. Netflix was one of the people that that when Nickelodeon decided Nickelodeon decided uh, after we did the Jungle movie that they were not going to make a season six of Hey Arnold, but they said because they didn't feel like it was right for their for the Nickelodeon audience as they perceive it right now, and. I think you know when you look at the numbers that we got when when the show when the movie uh, premiered uh, in your age group, we totally killed. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know we were like the we grew we up like number yeah. number three that night. You know, millions and millions and millions of viewers. But the Nickelodeon, you know, with their audience, eh, not so great. You know, huh. we we're down like eleventh or twelfth or something like That's, that. So they decided now we're not going to do it. But Nick, wow. but Netflix and. Uh, Amazon, Apple were all pe- people that they were going to go out to with the idea of trying to make a, you know, uh, a season six of Hey Arnold. But yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. Haven't heard anything yet. So we just huh. got our fingers, got our fingers crossed about well, that. Well, see, I just shows, it's just one of those things. And it's something that I really touch on on my show is that it's, you know, uh, for a long time, it's like animation, cartoons. It's really considered to be like kid stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you get things like, you know, the Simpsons that come along. That's really like geared towards an adult audience. But um, it's just an interesting phenomenon of, of things that we found at that age and then grew up with. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking back now and you're like, oh, man, this this show had enough of an impact on me that I emailed Jim out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's a thing like it's it's like, you know, yeah. it, it's proven that that's a thing. Oh yeah, that it's well, just like a nostalgia. You know, that's such a big factor for it. Yeah, I mean, don't you think you guys were kind of like in the sweet spot for this really kind of golden age of animation? I mean, golden age of animation. Oh, Absolutely, yeah. that's a crazy thing to say with all the great stuff that came before. But I mean, really, the the kind of the top blew off the vessel. You know, a few years before Hey Arnold happened. Yep. And there was just crazy good stuff being made oh, and yeah. really adventurous. You know, Ren and Stimpy. Come yeah. on, who's who, who could have envisioned That's, a show like Ren, yeah. Ren oh and Stimpy? Yes. You know, even five years before that got made. It's right. Like, even no, yeah, no there's way. things that are just like you know, musical stick out to you, like Doug. That's that's definitely yeah. one. I yeah. Well, I grew up more with uh, Rocco's Modern Life yeah, on Nickelodeon Rockins, a little bit right? before, uh, and definitely like Thundercats in the early days. My my early days, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. It was cool stuff. Definitely all through the late eighties, nineties kind of thing. Yeah, it was great. 
but there is there's a wonder there's a wonderful thing about uh, stuff when um, when you're able to get a show that that uh, kids and their parents both uh, can sit and watch it. Yeah, uh, and that's something that that we heard a lot about. Hey Arnold, was that you know kids would watch it with their folks yep. because it was funny enough. You know, and engaging enough, the characters were weird enough for the adults to be entertained by it as well. Yeah. And that's a kind of a magical, you know, The Simpsons obviously is a, is a case of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a, some animation, like some of the Cartoon Network stuff. It's like it's really not for kids. It's really oh yeah, game- no. oh, yeah. <laughs> adventure time at, and, at, uh, or what is that? Um, Rick and Morty. Yeah, Rick and Morty yeah. definitely. That's, well, that's on like Adult, Adult Swim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like Steven yeah. Universe. That's yeah. one that's like I was watching that the other day and I was like, oh man, this is like for kids. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That shows yeah, intense. Don't let the man. Li- don't yeah. let the little ones sit in front of the TV. Oh, for yeah. This yeah. One, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jim, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to, you know, kind of chat with us and, you know, really humoring us with going back and picking your brain about some of these tracks and yeah, some of this music. It's been awesome. Oh, I, my my pleasure. It's fun talking to you guys. Yeah. Um, what, can you tell people where they can find you as far as like on social media, your website, you know, if they want to follow you and see the things you're working on? Yes, absolutely. Uh, SoundCloud, my SoundCloud is the Jimmy Lang, all one word, T-H-E-J-I-M-M-Y. L-A-N-G. And then I have a YouTube channel, which is The Jim Lang. <laughs> Not very creative there. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then my website is jimlangmusic.com. So there's all kinds of stuff up there, you know, pictures of the, my studio in Los Angeles, pictures of some of the people that have played at the studio, um, uh, charts for some of the tunes. Uh, oh, cool. Occasionally people that's ask awesome. me for charts. Yeah, and so cool. there's some charts up there. Um, people but that's the... <laughs> Yeah, but that's the the best source. You know, people can find me on Facebook. Uh, I'm on Twitter, but I can't ever remember my Twitter handle because I don't tweet that often. But, um, <laughs> yeah. It has something to do with Jim Lang. It's probably Jim. I think it's Jim Lang Music. J i m l a n g m m u s. People have just messaged you and you just haven't responded in years. <laughs> no, he yeah, responds. People can always you, you can message him on the on his website. He'll respond. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I just went on Twitter. <laughs> I, I I typically respond to you know I typically respond to stuff off my website that the tweets I don't you know is with Twitter you get this thing it's like oh you have thirty four new tweets uh-huh. to look at it's not like yeah whatever you know <laughs> maybe I'll do that tomorrow yeah <laughs> I get yeah. that well Mike why don't you tell me where they can uh, follow you too uh, you can find me at at Muddy Mallon on Instagram um, I don't have a Twitter so uh, I just uh, never got around to it. I think I missed the boat on that one. Um, but that's where I post all my art and uh, music-related stuff. So yeah, that's we, all things me. There. Be sure to look at uh, look at Nondoc on Sundays. Oh, yeah. I, for, uh, I work for, for Nondoc, too. So make comics for them every Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, as always, you could follow us on social media, Tunes Tunes Podcast. That's T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. And then you can listen to us on Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to your finer podcasts. And so thanks again, Jim. Thank you, guys. This was a ton of fun talking to you. Yeah.